Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and we have Autumn Brennan, our teen expert as well. Welcome, Autumn. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Megan. Mm-hmm. Yes. So today we are here to talk about three traps that you, as a parent of a highly sensitive child, can fall into if you're working on breaking out of the meltdown cycle with a spouse or co-parent, how consistency can fall apart, what challenges you need to avoid. And this is part one of a two-part series. Today, we're going to talk about parenting children ages 14 and under, and uh, that's eighth grade and under for for those of you um, who are noticing the the grades here. And then part two, we'll talk about this uh, in our next show related to teenagers, those in high school. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So what we're going to cover today in in breaking out of this pattern, right? Let's talk about first the pattern that we're talking about. Uh, Meltdowns on a daily basis, regularly yelling, kicking, screaming, throwing things, running away, hiding under the bed, hiding in closets, uh, isolating and uh, refusing or shutting down. Okay. If your child is engaging in any of these behaviors on a regular basis, that might mean daily, multiple times a day or multiple times a week, then these are symptoms of the meltdown cycle. Your sensitive child was not put on this earth to be miserable. And if your child is exhibiting this behavior consistently for two weeks or more, then you have a meltdown cycle on your hands and you need to be paying attention. This is our specialty here at MTC. We've helped parents, hundreds of parents at this point through uh, the coaching systems that we apply, break out of this pattern. And some parents are able to do that in as little as eight weeks. So let's go ahead and um, and, and notice you know, where parents get stuck, right? When you're trying to do this and breaking out of this pattern by yourself, right? Or on your own. Uh, one of the things that parents notice is that they need to be shifting how they think about the problem, right? Because if you're if you're learning about how to use, say, for example, gentle parenting strategies, or in some other some way, shape, or form, stop using traditional parenting because you realize that timeouts don't work and sticker charts don't work and threatening doesn't work and punishments and groundings don't work. The first thing we see is the parents will start to read books, you know, digest everything on Google and observe and realize that the change starts with you, right? So parent number one starts doing all the research, right? And starts realizing that you need to change the dynamic. And so let's talk about one of the things that parents, um, especially the one who's, who's steering the ship, if you will, this is um, parent number one in, in, um, in, in some parents' households, uh, you might be doing this solo first before you start to relay this information to your, to your spouse or your co-parent. And, um, 
we have some some mindset shifts that parents are making or some perspective changes that they're making when they dive down this rabbit hole. So let's let's talk about this, Autumn. What do you see? Yeah. So um, one of the things that that I see that comes up for parents is that they may do a really great job at listening to their gut, noticing something's wrong, something's not right here. What I'm currently doing as a parent isn't working. This is not Mm -hmm. what I envisioned having a family, when I envisioned having kids, this was not the vision. Not only that, but I'm, I'm watching my child move day to day in a way that just is very apparently miserable, not just for them, but maybe for a sibling. And if I'm being honest, kind of for myself. Right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm responding to um, these meltdowns that are happening cyclically, right? You know, you're, you just said if something's happening for more than two weeks, a meltdown a day. Well, we've been working with parents that, right, this has been happening for years where they're yeah. having a meltdown or more a day, right? Mm-hmm. And so you do get to that place. And, and we've seen this with many of our pl- parents that that gut instinct to say, I need to do something different translates to let me grab some books. Let me start to scour the internet. What am I finding that can be helpful? And they've got a lot of motivation, right? And, and it's, it's coming from a, a, um, a genuine place of, I want to learn all the things I want to know how to make this shift and this momentum, this energy, this hope that they've started to connect with is, is going to propel them into starting to make some real changes, right? Um, changes that they're seeing in some of these books or, or through some of these programs. Here's the problem. What happens, right? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. Um, that initial momentum starts to fade or mm-hmm. some of these changes that you're starting to make, they sound really great at first, I can do this. I've got the energy. I've got the momentum. But when you start to become a little confused because you don't have anybody that is step-by-step guiding you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or you don't have anybody that you're talking about the progress that you're making um, or that you can circle back around to, it starts to become a little bit more challenging to hold on to these mindset shifts or these shifts in parenting practices that you're making, right? Doubt. Mm -hmm. Really, at the end of the day, it's that doubt, it's that fear, it's that worry. Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And if this is not really what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm tired. I don't want to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we start to see that mindset shift backwards. Yes, yes. And so when this starts to happen, you start to bring your partner into the, the dynamic. Okay, honey, it's time for us to be working together on this. I'm starting to feel a little exhausted. Your way isn't working either. We need to be on the same page. Let's make sure that the strategies that I see are in in the home that are working, right? I'm I'm getting my child to calm down. I'm helping them. Maybe, you you know, you might've read in a book that you need to validate your child. You need to communicate more about emotions. You need to support them in managing um, the the reason why they're freaking out rather than just telling them that everything is going to be okay, right? And doing that is tiring when you're, you're trying to do it all yourself. So you try to, you know, share the wealth, (laughs) spread the responsibility here, honey, this is what we need to be doing. I need you to talk to the kid like this. And when I do this on on my own, when I'm, when I'm, um, you know, at the top of my game, he's able to chill. And so I need you to be doing the same thing that I'm doing. And one thing that we see parents, you know, get stuck on, right is when the second parent starts to implement this strategy, they start using it more like a tactic, 
Okay. And so what do I mean by that? A tactic is something that you throw at the wall and see what sticks. And so what you're forgetting is the, the systems that are in place behind the, that tactic, the system, including mindset support, including the shift of perspective of how you view your child and what they're capable of and how you think that they are making decisions. Are they doing it on purpose or are they doing it because they are struggling and they're missing some skills, right? And so for the parent who has done all kinds of research, right, you have have been looking at this over and over and over again, and you're bringing your your spouse or co-parent up to speed and saying, I needed to talk to the kid like this often we see parents are missing the fact that they did all this mindset work while they were researching for, you know, 30, 60 days before they even started changing how they parent and so, and how they interact with, with the child. And so this, this is trap number one for getting the foundation. You know, we see this so frequently for parents in breaking out of the pattern of, of the meltdown cycle. It has to start first with you. And this is one of the things that we drill home with our clients your perspective of what your kid is capable of, how your child is is thinking about a problem, how your child is seeing and experiencing the world has to be on point and, and, and directly focused on how the highly sensitive child child's brain works. Mm-hmm. And the highly sensitive brain works completely differently, very differently to the, the non-highly sensitive person. And without all that information, without all that perspective, then you, what you're going to do is you're going to say the right things, okay, and teach, you know, teach the right things to your to your spouse or co-parent. And what happens is that they end up falling flat. Why? We talk about this a lot. The urgency, the delivery is off, the perception is off. There's a lot going on behind the scenes in your own mind when you're delivering these, these perspectives. And so this is really important because um, that contributes to your level of exhaustion. Which brings me to point number two, okay? Trap number two is when you're struggling to assess progress. So Autumn, you were mentioning this earlier, right? That you can, you know, when you're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, you're trying a lot of things. You read three books. You're trying, you know, a piece from this book, a piece from this book, a piece from this mommy blogger article. And you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good thing that my kid might do. And then, you know, how to help my kid get their homework done, how to help my kid um, go to soccer practice, how to help my kid go to, um, you know, um, go, you know, go make friends in, in, in the park, all these little tactics and you ch- cherry picking them in that respect puts you in a position of, 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 again, you know, creating this, this splatter casting approach. Yeah. And what happens when you're, when you're chomping at the bit, trying to solve it like that? Yeah. I mean, that's that fatigue that I was talking about, right? Like you just, you, when the human body doesn't see right results of some kind, right. It doesn't experience Mm -hmm. some pleasure or, um, some positive Mm -hmm. emotion associated with Mm -hmm. something that has been putting a lot of energy towards it's, it's going to start to want to back away from that, or it's going to start Mm -hmm. to feel helpless, right? Whenever you just take a second, just to notice, call that emotion of helplessness or think about something that's been frustrating you a lot you start mm-hmm. to get smaller, right? You start to feel mm-hmm. heavier. You, you're mm-hmm. not jumping with that joy, that motivation that maybe drove you to start to pick up some of these books or to start to dive into um, learning this information and then you know, using it with your children, extending it to your other parent. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts to become something that 
I'm implementing, but I'm becoming more unsure of again, that doubt, because there's no, at that point without a system, you use the word system earlier, Megan. And and that's really fantastic because that's what a system does. A, A system helps to guide you to understand what it is that you're looking for, what it is that you're, you're seeing, right. And it helps you to notice pieces of progress that an expert might notice, but that you as, you know, a parent that isn't an expert in, in um, child development or in parenting in HSE, right? At the end of yeah. the day, because there's plenty of, of um, psychologists that we work with, um, you know, individuals that have been in um, a helping profession or an educator's role for years and years and years. And they're trying to use strategies or tactics that may um, work well with children that aren't HSEs. And they're just experiencing frustration because here I go, I'm trying to use this with my highly sensitive child. Mm-hmm. And I'm not seeing progress in the same way that I would with another child. And that's generating mm-hmm. that frustration. It might even start to generate parental c- conflict, right? Between you yeah. and your co-parent, um, mm-hmm. not being able um, to see eye to eye on what it is that maybe you have learned and you're trying to implement and what you have taught them and they're trying to implement, right? And, and both mm-hmm. of you have an idea of what that looks like, but it's your idea. It's your perspective. And that might not match up. Just like when you're mm-hmm. trying to teach your co-parent how to use some of these strategies, um, you might notice that they have a different learning style and they're not learning yeah. the information or implementing it the same way that you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But really at the end of the day, that comes back around to that progress that you're seeing or not seeing. So mm-hmm. having a system that's going to tell you, this is what you're going to implement at this point. And this is what you are likely going to see as a progression. It's going to be really helpful to continue to motivate you to use your skills as a parent, not necessarily your child using skills, but maybe they are, maybe that's what you're teaching them. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's going to help to motivate you. I'm doing this right. I want to keep doing more of this. I'm starting to see this progress without that Mm -hmm. system. How do you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, this is really important because when we think about the the challenges of working on this on your own and trying to shift the perspective of um, of, of breaking down your child's skill gaps and teaching them how to uh, you know feel their emotions and let them go, um, acknowledge that that emotions are normal, um, communicate that to other people, trusted adults, right? And then do that instead of freaking out, <laughs> instead of raising the bar with extreme reaction, behavior reactions, um, the, the shifts that are necessary in order to make all of this happen need to happen in a certain order and in a certain depth in order to see consistent progress. But it also requires uh, uh, neutral support to look above the problem, right? And so if it's difficult for you to have an objective perspective of your child, (laughs) I mean, hi, who's a parent that that can do that really well and effectively, right? Um, (laughs) Then then you'll get trapped in some of this, uh, in, in some of these challenges. And one of the things that's important when you think about changing the way that your child shows up in the world, we're talking about transformation. We're talking about being able to transform how they take in challenges and how they respond to them. That's a different, that's not just skill sets. That's a personality shift. And, and um, when I say that, I say that a little tongue in cheek, because we always tell our clients that if you perceive your child to be rigid, if you perceive your child to be strong-willed, if you perceive your child to be, um, 
you know, easily frustrated, that's not their personality. That's a symptom of the meltdown cycle. Okay. So it's really important for you to get that. And I'm just going to park that, um, for, for another show, I'm sure. But right now, what we're talking about is when you're looking at changing how your child presents themselves in the world, how they function in the world, right? How they show their true self, which is the the functional capacity of managing uh, frustration and creatively solving problems on a day-to-day basis or any other negative emotion, disappointment, sadness, et cetera, then the focus in shifting that you're going to experience, your child is going to experience change, right? And change is difficult for highly sensitive kids without the skill to manage change. So you're going to have some um, start fits and starts. We see a lot of parents who are skeptical that their child can change because they've been trying so long to help Mm -hmm. their child change. But guess what? Once you finally get your, your spouse and co-parent on board to make some changes, what is that? A change. (laughs) So it's really important for you to be able to tell the difference between a change that is a good change. And your child is going to take some time to level out to that. Right. Right. Or what your spouse or co-parent who has not been doing this for as long as you have might say, which is this doesn't work for me. It just made it worse. It only works for you because you have all the time in the world to help them or because you talk to them differently or because you coddle them, right? Because this is such an important topic when we, when we, when we look at it from the bigger picture of what we also talk about in other shows, that perspective of moving from passivity to pressuring and the pendulum that you swing. And so usually we have the parent who is trying more effective strategies for highly sensitive kids on their own tend to move into this protecting component and uh, saving their child from their emotions because the pressuring is painful to watch, right? And when you're in that, that experience, you can really feel for your child and you might feel like you're, you get your child differently, understand your child more intuitively or more naturally than your spouse or co-parent. And when this creates arguments, it puts you in a position to overperform, which leads to enablement. And you know it. I mean, you know it as a, as a parent that you are enabling your child and you're treating them as fragile. You, you're, it's, you, you hear that in your gut it, to overcompensate for the suck it up, get it together. This is ridiculous. I can't, I've told you this a million times, right? right? So as soon as you get your co-parent on board of, all right, fine, you know what? I'll try it your way. I mean, <laughs> nothing's been working anyways, right? right? We've got this change reaction. And then what? What do we do? Right. So it's really hard to assess progress without support and and being able to see this. You have to follow a system that has worked repeatedly with multiple multiple people in different facets in order to know what is a reaction to change, what is a healthy reaction to change for highly sensitive kids stuck in the meltdown cycle, aka an expected reaction to change. And then what is a clear uh, mismatch in parenting strategy, right? Parenting tactics. And so often we see so often the parents will say, well, that strategy doesn't work with my kid because they freaked out when I used it. Right. Well, when your kid was two and you put the seatbelt on, did you decide not to put seatbelt on your kid? Right. right. All right. So we have to not, we have to take a bigger look at this and, and really understand the difference between um, an ineffective strategy or ineffective delivery or ineffective timing of the strategy. And that's critical. So we're going into, you know, the next piece, which is how do you teach your spouse or co-parent? I mean, 
holy smoly, this is trap number three, is perceiving that your spouse or co-parent learns the same way that you do. So I'm going to speak to this because um, working as a coach and, and working, supporting the coaches at MTC, this is something that comes up for us all of the time and that we <laughs> gladly work with our families on um, because it doesn't, you know, it, you know, regardless of how positive your relationship is, um, mm -hmm. even while you're under stress from, from parenting a highly sensitive child, right. When, and mm -hmm. there may be some tension there because of that. So it, mm -hmm. if, if anything, it might not be as positive as it has been in the past, you know, when you're coming yeah. to us or when you, um, are seeking out support, right. In parenting, um, the, um, idea though, that, <sighs> different people have different learning styles, right? I think mm -hmm. on a cognitive level, we can all relate to that, or we can notice that, um, that that's normal. But when you're thinking about it, as far as um, teaching your co-parent things that you have learned, it doesn't really translate to a specific scenario, what that's going to be like, right? So yeah. it might be that you are a person that can pick up, pick up a book and you can read through it. And then you can imagine implementing it in your head and there it goes. Mm -hmm. Your mm -hmm. co-parent may not learn like that. Your co-parent yeah. may need more examples, right? They may mm -hmm. need um, support in different ways. They may need more interaction, right? They may need, they might um, need scripts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they may need, I mean, I've, I've met plenty of people at this point that do really well creating a video, right. Of themselves mm -hmm. using the scale or, or, or little things like that, that we don't mm -hmm. think about. Maybe if you're mm -hmm. an educator, that would be top of your list to consider. How do I learn versus how does my co-parent learn? But that's yeah. not most of us. And even in that situation, no. we don't always bring our profession into our personal lives. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, how many of you listening in are therapists and you're, you say to your spouse, I'm not your therapist, right? right? Because we need to be able to turn our our heads off. And obviously in this dynamic and how we coach clients, we're not your therapist either, right? Um, but we are trained therapists, many of us here on the, on the team, Autumn and I uh, included. And the, the whole concept of understanding that it's not your job to be the parent coach to your spouse or co-parent creates this power dynamic and this power differential that can actually really significantly damage the relationship um, or, or, or at least put s serious pressure on it. Right. Because yes. you both went into the, to the decision to make kids, <laughs> have kids, bring children into your world, welcome them into your family. However, that happened. And in that decision, that's a mutual decision. And so when it's a mutual decision to parent them, then there's a mutual level of responsibility to do the same thing, whether you want to or not, whether you say, you know, you're the one who's going to work outside the home, I'm going to work inside the home. Um, we've seen it all, guys. It doesn't matter. It is extremely rare for um, for children to benefit effectively to have parents have a, such a divisive um, level of division of responsibility. And, and you know that, which is why your spouse or co-parent takes on the parenting when they come home from working outside the home, if that's relevant here, or you, same thing, right? Because you both decided to have kids. You both want a relationship with these children. And as a result, uh, you need to be a parent. And right. so that dynamic of you being in charge of uh, of your spouse or co-parent and how they learn really puts a, puts a, puts a you know, unevens the playing field. 
and it it unevens the level of responsibility and unevens the level of expertise and uh, it, it that puts a significant strain on on the relationship if it's an intimate one marriage co um, co-parent coexisting relationship um when you know in that respect even for divorced families you know single parents we work with all the time as well there's communication that needs to happen there's you know logistics that need to happen and if one parent has a higher level of understanding than the other then that top down process really puts a, a huge um a damper into into the dynamic right you can't i mean you could divide responsibility to taking out the trash but you cannot divide and doing the laundry right like you can do that, but you can't divide responsibility and, and put parenting on onto one person's plate if you're going to stay together or work together. And so when we think about that, the incredible component of, of why this is important is, you know, we hear from parents occasionally who, who say, you know, I want to, I want to talk to you, Megan, or I want to talk to the team, whoever, whoever will take the initial phone call. And um, I'm going to relay all the information that you spend to, you know, talking to us on the, on the phone um, to my, to my special co-parent. This is the exact reason why we, we speak to both parents on the phone. If you're, if you're in a, if you're living in the same household under the same roof, because that trap is not something we're willing to perpetuate. With that being said, it's something that's pervasive. I mean, oh my goodness, in the mental health world and parenting, um, parent coach world. And it's fine. It works just fine for parents of non-highly sensitive kids. But for parents of highly sensitive kids, consistency is incredibly important. You have to be both doubling down on the level of commitment and time that you're putting into place to shift this dynamic when your highly sensitive children are stuck in the meltdown cycle, right? If you're, if you're parenting a highly sensitive kid and you're listening in, you're like, yeah, my kid, you know, manages their emotions at school, comes home, is good, um, demonstrates leadership skills in, in gymnastics, and then um, tells me when they're upset and asks for hugs. Great. More power to you. Keep listening uh, to, you know, to keep any of these challenges at bay. But if you're having the daily meltdown cycle happening in your household, it's gotten to the level at this point where you need to be doing things the way that we talk you talk, talk about it because nobody else knows how to break out of this cycle. And so the, the additional frustration of, of trying to teach on top of trying to parent um, is really, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Not, I mean, the other side to this too, is the, the other side of the parent, the parent that's trying to learn and is trying to come home, relax, enjoy time with the family, even if it's a stressful time because of, because of meltdowns or because of just the dysregulation. And now we've got the added stressor of potentially, um, you know, struggling with, am I being assessed by my teacher in the background? <laughs> Right. <laughs> Should I do a good job? Do I get a gold star? It's like, no, you don't get a gold star. Like, this is your job. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a gold star for this. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a great night. And, you know, to... <laughs> exactly. Oh gonna... my gosh. Right. <laughs> so for, you know, when we think about solving this problem, this is part of the, the, this is part of the problem that can't be removed, right? It's not mm -hmm. just about your child in the meltdown cycle. It's also about how collaboration between parents can decrease stress in the household, right? Can mm -hmm. and can increase joy, right? Or a sense yeah. of um, of togetherness, right? Connection between mm -hmm. you and your spouse in in doing this journey together, not one upping the other, but both mm -hmm. of you um, working with with someone that is able to. I like the way you said it earlier. Take that neutral stance, right? Someone that's yeah. able to just notice 
this is what you are doing that's complementing what the other person is doing here where you guys here's where you guys can get together um to improve a little bit more in x skill or x way that you are assisting your child in the moments that they really need you the most so that you two aren't unintentionally you know coming in and contradicting each other um in a way that's just going to create more stress yeah and overcompensating for each other as well for sure yeah and at the same time thinking I thought I was doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> because maybe there was a misinterpretation around, you know, you explained this to me. This is how I heard you. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Especially if you're like, you need to go talk to them like this right this minute. And if that heron is stressed out, I mean, they're not emotionally available for learning either. They're going to take like three words. Okay, got it. See ya. And you're like, wait a minute, let me lecture you six, you know, six chapters in in 10 minutes before you go talk to the kid, right? What's going on, right? So, so oftentimes we see parents who are stuck in the heat of the moment, trying to relay important information, get each other on the same page at the same time uh, that the child's melting down, or at the same time that, the, you know, at the end of the night, when you guys are wiped out, like, what did we do wrong? Where is the conversation you have at night? Again, like Autumn was talking about, I mean, that is not a, a setup for success for a married couple um, at all, or, you know, a, a couple who is coupled. <laughs> and um, the, the dynamic there is just simply not, um, uh, not something that you can perpetuate over time. Otherwise, it's just going to be, you know, um, a lot of um, uh, long bridges between the two of you, right? You're not really working together. And, um, and and so when we think about that dynamic and the frustrations that can that can arise, I want to notice what's possible when uh, when we when we put the system together, right? So um, I'm take one of our clients, uh, it, and this is um, uh, the family where both parents are actually divorced. They came to us managing their five year olds and. Uh, he was having significant meltdowns in both houses and they, they realized, you know, after um, working on this themselves that they needed to um, they needed to be able to, to follow through together and they co-parented well um, just realized that they were, they were better off not together for the rest of their lives. Right. And so um, the, in terms of the communication worked well, they were, you were talking to each other. Right and uh, just needed support. And so this little boy would move from both houses and be able to be um, consistent now that they were speaking the same language. And so they were able to break out of that cycle consistently once, um, you know, they realized how they were overcompensating for each other and sabotaging each other, right? Um, You know, I probably should have, uh, well, I didn't, I I didn't prepare you, Autumn, for who I'm talking about, but um, first name, mom's first name starts with an E kiddos, uh, name starts with a G you're nodding. You know who I'm talking about. I think I do okay. know who you're talking um, about here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and since we're recording this, I'm not going to pause the recording till I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but in this dynamic, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the, the family came in where there, there was still a power differential, you know, mom seemed to kind of get more of this. Um, Dad learned through our work together that he's highly sensitive. So he started to own more of his interactions, own more of his expertise in understanding how his son um, thought and and worked and and processed the the world because he didn't have um, any understanding that that his son was like him because his uh, ex-wife was so um, uh, 
so aligned to how their son was, um, was, was, was experiencing the world. It just seemed Mm -hmm. like she got it faster. Mm -hmm. And so once we helped him understand that there's actually a lot of similarities in how he's experiencing the world, um, and how he used to experience the world as a child and then how their, their son was that then they started to become even more consistent in the home. Some of the institutions, you know, in routine, uh, were able to play out in both households. Some of the reasons behind the necessity of that were much more effectively understood, right? And the the handoff between both uh, both houses um, became you know became um, you know much easier. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, and this little boy came in with some with you know with negative self talk. I'm a bad kid, right? And this is something that you can see with parents uh, who are who are divorced or separated. Children start to wonder, is this my fault? And both parents were able to support their child not only break out of that pattern, right? Um, and, and, and realize that, you know, and, and understand and raise his self-concept, raise his self-esteem, but also have the conversation at a different level around their separation and their decision uh, to separate. And uh, that, that, that that's going to be a transition for, for this kiddo for the rest of his life, something that he'll have to, at different developmental stages, get used to in different ways. And the certainty that we've got you, buddy, even though we live in two different houses, uh, was incredibly valuable for for this family to be able to to develop. These parents were be able to develop. I mean, especially in a divorce household, right? You know, either parent dropping kiddo off at at the other parent's household. This is your baby, right? And so you want to be able to know that you can trust um, that 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 co-parenting relationship can, um, you know, and the 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 consistency that you're building in your own home um, can be managed in in. Uh, the other parent's household. And so that's really the ideal situation of, of, um, of practicing in this. So, you know, many people will go to our results page, they'll see, oh, you know, our marriage has improved, right? It's a positive symptom of breaking out of the, the meltdown cycle is your positive side effect. You get to talk to each other on the same page or speaking the same language, right? But I like to highlight these examples of divorced parents, parents who have separated or who are no longer together. And your child needs that one household to be cohesive, right? So our other client, Megan, uh, she and her wife were not on the same page and really not on very good terms upon their um, uh, upon their separation and, and subsequent divorce. And Megan changed things in her household, which actually impacted her ex's uh, perception of the children and their capacities. And that changed um, changed her ability to shift out of this dynamic, even when Megan wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a good fit for, for Megan to, to, to teach uh, <laughs> or ask anything that was just not a differential, a power differential that was going to, to be um, even um, conceptualized given the, um, the, the challenges in their relationship. And yet Megan worked with us and she was able to shift this w- dynamic and the consistency was built in one household and the children were able to then build those skills. This is what we talk about. Your child needs one household where there's consistency to, to build emotion regulation skills, generalize those into other avenues, including a co-parent who didn't work with us, um, including the house of a, of a co-parent, including, you know, school, obviously, um, other, other avenues, this, this, uh, kiddo did a lot of, um, after school sports, um, and, uh, you know, her three children were able to shift out of that dynamic. And then that obviously improved the, the co-parenting relationship too. So I want to highlight the dynamics. And a lot of people will say, oh, you know, that's great for, you know, for parents who go home together and work together and, 
um, collaborate together, but what about me? And so this, you know, this, this parent was able to shift the dynamic and the consistency within her own home. And that implemented the, the capacity for her children to then generalize their skills into their co-parents home, you know, I mean, into their home, her, her co-parents home, their other home. And uh, that co-parent didn't work with us. And it's important to understand that this dynamic is, is it requires one household to be consistent. Okay. Um, and we, we, we talk a lot about, and, and might, might infer that, um, that this is, this is most ideally, this problem is most ideally solved in a two parent household or, or whatever. And I, I think it's really important to make sure that we're covering the fact that, we need one household to be consistent. Um, and so if there are two parents in that household, then yeah, we got to talk to both of you. We got to work with both of you, et cetera. But if there's um, two households, then um, then there are some pretty key factors that, that consistency um, and predictability uh, can be built with uh, within just one, one home that can then carry itself over to the other. And so um, I wanted to just name that, you know, obviously this is part one. We're going to talk about part two, how to how this applies to, to parents of teens. Um, the difference once your child ages into to adolescence and uh, we'll do that on our next show. So in the meantime, uh, make sure that you go ahead and, and uh, register for our free training for, um, you know, parents of, of highly sensitive kids. Go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps uh, to break out of this pattern, this meltdown cycle. And we talk more about what actually takes in, in that free training for you. If you're parenting a teen, you're listening about this and wanting to know more, um, then definitely stay tuned for part two. We'll, we'll post that next week. Um, and in the meantime, go to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five, sorry, backslash five steps underscore teen. Okay. Um, so that you're, you're following through on what we, what we teach related to once your, once your child gets into high school age. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We look forward to talking to you soon. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Autumn. Thanks for joining me for this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child, like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in hearing more about how to eliminate the meltdown cycle, I invite you to check out our free masterclass where we cover the five steps our clients use to eliminate the daily meltdowns. You can register for the next training at meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. That's the number five S-T-E-P-S. meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash five steps. Have a great day.